Welcome aboard on a Friday. Let's get going, get you ready for the weekend. And uh, we want to thank again, first and foremost, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour. Mike Steely here at home again today. We've got uh, the renovations happening to the ref studios right now. You do have Connor in the control room. How are the fumes? Are they all right? I was in there. I came into the production room to cut some sound and then drove back here uh, to get everything set up. So I was there for about uh, a little, about an hour and 15 minutes early this morning, and the fumes were pretty bad. Are, are they still there? Yeah, it's it's a little better, Mike. We've had some a few doors open to get the smell out of the way. But, man, the studio room's looking real nice. But, yeah, the smell's, the smell's kind of gone away. So it's all good in here. That's good, as long as they aren't toxic fumes. You've got the glue gun there. They're putting up uh, all the soundproof material in the new studio. So, uh, again, we should be back operational in there, I would say, by maybe Monday. Uh, I would say by, at the latest, probably middle of next week. But, anyway, good to have you with us on a Friday. We've got Joe Bedner, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football newsletter, joining us on the Riverwind Hotline. Uh, that'll be coming up at 12:35. We have Brandon Drum, OUinsider.com, joining us at 1:35 for his weekly Friday chat, and we'll get into uh, what's happening in recruiting. Is there legitimate interest from Malachi Nelson, who is committed to Muleshoe and USC, to Texas A&M after his visit to College Station over the weekend? I still think it's going to be very difficult for the Aggies to pry Malachi Nelson away. Uh, from the Trojans, but uh, there is a report out there, at least, that there is some genuine interest from Malachi Nelson, uh, you know, possibly with Texas A&M. Okay, Sooner football practice is underway officially. You had the uh, the big weigh-ins. You probably saw the uh, the videos again. I thought they were really good uh, from the OU football account uh, last night. And uh, yeah, they're underway. Practices are underway in Norman. We are, are we 20, is it 29 days away now? Is it 30 or 29? I've lost track. 29, Mike. Ricky 29. Dixon. Ricky Dixon and uh, Ramondre know, Stevenson days away. Pretty good. You know, I, here's how uh, ridiculous I am in my older age. I actually was thinking about that this morning, and I already forgot about it because I'm like, it's 29 days away. Oh, well, that's clearly Ricky Dixon. Now, Ramondre Stevenson was a really good player for Oklahoma. But he wasn't Ricky Dixon level. And we lost Ricky, of course, uh, to ALS uh, a few years ago. What a great safety for OU. Just a great player on that 85 national championship team. You, you talk about great defense, man. That team, you start on the front line with Tony Casillas manning the middle. You had big-time defensive ends in uh, Daryl Reed. Uh, and Kevin Murphy, you had great linebackers, the Boz with Paul Miliazzo, Ricky Dixon in the secondary with, you know, Sonny Brown and David Vickers and some of the guys they had in the secondary. That was a great Sooner defense. And certainly Oklahoma fans are hoping that Brent Venables can get the defense going again at the University of Oklahoma. The Sooners have been known for their offense. You know, and even back in the wishbone days, because the wishbone was such a cool offense when it was executed well, you know, when you see J.C. Watts making a perfect pitch downfield to Billy Sims in the Orange Bowl, that is, that's an art form right there. And the wishbone, again, the fastest show on turf, uh, running the football anyway, in college football, uh, back in the 70s was unbelievable. And, of course, 85 when Troy Aikman went down. And, again, they were still running triple option. 
uh, maybe not as much, but when Jamel Holloway took over, uh, it was back to triple option. He was a great practitioner of the wishbone. Jamel was, and the Sooners, of course, won that championship in 85. But, you know, defense was a big part of those Oklahoma championship teams, all the way back to Bud's teams in the 50s. You think about the 74-75 Sooners, the Selman brothers, 73-74, Rod Schott. You think about what I just talked about with the 85 team, the 2000 team had uh, defensive stars and Rocky Kalmus, obviously, and Torrance Marshall and Roy Williams. And OU fans are crossing their fingers that this is the beginning of a next really good, maybe great defensive era of Oklahoma football. Well, in, in, a time, in a time to get back to being balanced, Steely, it's been one-sided for the last few years. I would say the 2015 college football playoff team, there was a decent defense shown, but man, 27 and 28 or 2017 and 28 have been kind of one-sided offensively for OU. Yeah, and uh, you know who's going to be the next defensive superstar? Now they had some pretty good, pretty good players last year. Obviously, uh, Perion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, uh, Brian Asamoah is doing really good things. Uh, so far with the Minnesota Vikings, I, I thought that uh, DTY, Delaren Turner-Yell, was a really good safety for Oklahoma. But, again, we're not talking about Ricky Dixon. We're not talking about Brian Bosworth. We're not talking Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy, you know, uh, you know any of those guys at that level. Teddy Lehman, Butkus Award winner. Rocky Kalmus, again, Torrance Marshall was big time. Uh, you've got to get some defensive superstars and maybe some of the guys they have in this class, certainly if they get D.J. Hicks down the road, and I think Oklahoma's leading on D.J. Hicks right now, number one defensive lineman in the country, that's a really good start. But maybe it's P.J. Atabare, maybe it's Colton Vosick, uh, maybe it's Derek LeBlanc, you know, maybe it's Macari Vickers. We'll see. But uh, the Sooners have certainly got to step it up defensively, be more physical, be better tacklers, be more disciplined. Uh, not have as many busts. They just have not give up as many third downs. If they're going to make their mark in the SEC when the uh, level of competition steps up, uh, they're going to have to be playing that level of defense to be, you know, the brand that Oklahoma fans expect on the national scene. Brent Venables, his energy, unmistakable, no doubt about it. Let's hear from a couple of Sooners, Eric Gray and Theo Weiss on the offensive side on the difference they see now with Brent Venables as the head coach. That defensive, when you have a defensive head coach, it just feels like a different type of energy. Like, you just got to be nasty. You got to be that type of defense. And Coach Stoop was a defensive coach. So, it's a good track record. Coach B, you know, he's just he real intense. He's big on physicality. And he's just, you know, he's, he's, he's a great man, you know, great father. You know, he got a great family and everything just like that. Um, for me personally, I, I kind of – it's going to sound kind of weird. I kind of wanted to play for a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, I really couldn't tell you why, but, you know, it's just kind of just a different, like, spark they bring to the table. So, yeah, you know, I'm excited to play for Coach V. There you go. And uh, Sooner fans are hoping for a injury-free season for Theo Weiss because when he's been healthy, he's been a pretty darn good wide receiver. Came in again, highly touted, five-star wide out in that same class with Jaden Hazelwood and Trajan Bridges. And uh, we'll see. Theo Weiss, I think, has a chance to have a really good season. I expect that Marvin Mims, obviously, would be the go-to guy for Dylan Gabriel. But I expect Theo Weiss to have a good season, particularly if he can stay healthy 
for the Sooners. All right, so we were talking about recruiting. When you look at what's happened since Brent Venables took over this job, when Muleshoe, you know, made his exit for L.A., you know, Sooner fans were, number one, wanting Brent Venables to get the job. They also wanted, you know, if you bring in Brent Venables, and yes, he's a defensive-minded guy. He's been the top defensive coordinator in college football for a while now. You've got to get somebody with a high-octane offense who's got a good reputation, and Jeff Levy fit that bill. Oklahoma ties, play for the Sooners, um, and the Sooners get Jeff Levy. So you feel very good about that, what they've done right there with the head coach and the offensive coordinator. And then you bring in, in addition to that, guys like Todd Bates. You have leftovers from the Sooners staff who are excellent at what they do, and they've been uh, very committed to the University of Oklahoma and done a nice job. Cale Gundy is about as big a Sooner as you'll ever find. You talk about loyal. Hale Gundy, you know, put his picture in the dictionary. Uh, Bill Biedenboe, Joe John Finley, DeMarco Murray, all those guys have done a lot of special things. But then you add Todd Bates. You add a young, energetic, rising star in Miguel Chavis. Jay Belay, you know, Brandon Hall. This staff looks really, really good. Uh, did I mention Bill Biedenboe hanging around too, big time? Uh, and then you bring in, as your director of football ops, a guy who has a great reputation nationally uh, for helping, you know, build programs or if a great program has gone a little bit stagnant, Thad Turnipseed has been that guy to get it done. Uh, Ted Roof, you know, you think of uh, the experience that he's had. This is a really good coaching staff. Now, we've got to see the results on the field. But then what happens? You know, they go out, they win the Alamo Bowl, they save, rescue the 2021 recruiting class. Thank you to Bob Stoops for doing that as well. He was very instrumental in holding that class together. And now they're as, as hot as any team in college football on the recruiting trail. Bama's on fire too, but Oklahoma had a great July. Uh, they're expected to get more coming up this month, including a week from tomorrow, a commitment from Jacoby Johnson out of Mustang. And Sooner fans were a little bit panicked. Actually, some were a lot a bit panicked when they saw Oklahoma at number 41 in the national rankings not too long ago. And now here they are at number six in the national rankings. I mean, just close to breaking into the top five. And they have a chance, you know, if they get D.J. Hicks, uh, you're going to get Jacoby Johnson. You're going to get Macari Vickers. Uh, you're going to get Anthony Evans. You're most likely going to get Jordan Renaud, Ryan Yates, you could get, again, Sooners are favored to get to Sulia Kana. And, again, maybe Peyton Bowen does flip from Notre Dame and ends up at OU. You get an official visit from Malachi Coleman. That's big time as well. So this recruiting class is going to be big time for the Sooners, and they're just looking to add to it right now. And you could get the realizing on the cake if you get D.J. Hicks uh, signed up in this 2022 class. So Brent Venables talking about his uh, recruiting philosophy and uh, certainly that philosophy that uh, we talked about sooner fans would have to be patient with and now brandon that staff starting to see that recruiting philosophy pay off you know there's a patience that goes with that but also a, a game plan that you're ready to execute if things don't go uh, execute if things don't go your way uh, and then again for for us to have long-term commitment to try to encourage guys to get to a bunch of spots uh, so that they could really have um, peace and confirmation in, in their their final decision. So we really felt great that um, 
although maybe some other people got more commitments earlier, uh, that we would get the right ones at the right time um, that had the, the depth of, of uh, again, what commitment really looks like and uh, where it really had roots. Um, and, uh, and again, just because they commit doesn't mean everything's over. Uh, you know, for us, you got to continue to, uh, you know, recruit them, um, you know, like they're not committed, you know, uh, because you don't sign until December. Brent Venables and this staff, again, red hot on the recruiting trail right now. It's working out very well for the University of Oklahoma. All right, practices are underway. Here's the question I want to ask you for the Air Comfort Solutions text line early in the show today, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Everybody seems to think Sooner fans, and part of this is the optimism of Oklahoma football fans, and any time you make a change, you know, uh, that people automatically assume, oh, yeah, this is going to be a change for the better. What gives you confidence that Brent Vittables is ready to take OU football to the next level? You can write a short little essay, not a long one, short essay. And I want you to just answer that question. What gives you confidence that Brent Vittables is going to take this Oklahoma football program to the next level? 405 651 3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line here on a Friday. Mike Steely along with Connor Pasby in the studio today. Parker's off, uh, headed to a wedding this weekend. Let's get that text line fired up. We'll come right back, get to those texts next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. It is Friday, and uh, everybody is looking forward to the weekend. As always, Sooner football practice getting underway today in Norman. The opener, September 3rd against UTEP, 2.30 at Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Then after that, it's Kent State. And then a matchup in Lincoln when we really find out just where this Oklahoma football team is under Brent Venables uh, will be September 17th when they go to Lincoln to play the Cornhuskers. All right. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405-651-3439. Connor, we've got some texts rolling in already. From Ryan and Mustang, one of the most successful and experienced coordinators in the country. And uh, the question was, why do you feel confident that Brent Venables will take this Oklahoma football program to the next level? And uh, there we go. There's our first answer. And, Mike, he has been. Well, during his time at Oklahoma, he was one of the top defensive coordinators in the country. Had one slip year, got out the gate to Clemson, and he continued that on at Clemson. Put up really good defenses. And, yeah, that's a big reason why Oklahoma can get back to, you know, getting to the college playoff and actually winning a game this time, getting back to playing tough physical defense. Yeah, and, and look, at the end of Brent's tenure in Norman, uh, that that wasn't a real smooth transition. Bob wasn't letting him go, but Mike Stoops was coming back, and uh, I think I think the timing was right for Brent to make that move to Clemson. And I know that that wasn't an easy decision for him, but they weren't playing great defense, defense at that point, and maybe, again, it was just time for Brent to go uh, and work under somebody else. He's, you know, he'd been with Bob for a long time and had a Great relationship all the way back uh, to when he was a player and Bob was there on the staff of Bill Snyder at Kansas State. But there's no doubt, uh, you know, Brent blossomed again in Clemson. He was really good, you know, in his first tenure at Oklahoma, particularly 
you know, in the, the early part of the Bob Stoops era at Oklahoma. Uh, they were fantastic. And then he went to Clemson. He learned under Dabo uh, and became, I think, the most prominent defensive coordinator in college football. And uh, the time was right. For him, when the Oklahoma job was open, I think he was the uh, he was clearly the number one choice, and I think it was a really good choice because Brent looks to me like a guy that's not going to be you know looking to go somewhere else, or the NFL is going to be a possibility, or would never pull a mule suit thing like that. I I would say, what would you set the over and under on Brent's years at OU? I'm going to put the over and under number at ten seasons for Brent at Oklahoma. Yeah, I was going. I'll go a little. I was going to go eight, eight to nine. I yeah, I think he's going to be here for quite a long time. He seems like a guy that's going to stick to Oklahoma, and he's not going to not going to go anywhere anytime soon, Mike. He's a loyal guy. He's not a guy that moves around from job to job to job, obviously. But uh, I, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Brent had a Bob Stoops like tenure at OU. Bob, what was Bob? Did he? Was it 17 years for Bob overall? I think so. Yep, 17, uh, maybe 18 years. But uh, Brent, I could see Brent going at least 12, maybe more. So, and I, I think as long as they're winning and competing and uh, playing for or winning national championships, and Oklahoma's going to be one of the elite programs, I can see him sticking around for a long time. The only thing I could see him doing is if he just lost the passion for coaching and got tired of recruiting because Kirby Smart talked about this recently that, you know, we're losing some college football coaches to the NFL because you go to the NFL, you get to spend more time with your family. I mean, recruiting is 24-7. Yes, you have dead periods, but, man, those coaches work their tails off. It is a uh, it's a great job, and you get paid well, particularly if you're at a great program like OU. But you're also working a lot of hours and earning that money. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's go back there. BV is Bob Stoops, ten years younger, with the exact same integrity and possible twice to energy. With his humble beginnings, he's also got a bunch of the king in his DNA. Yeah, or Mike, you got to give a lot of credit to Bob Stoops for what I mean. Brent Venables just learning behind him, and then when he got to Clemson, Dabo Sweeney. So you can't ask for two better guys to learn behind. And yeah, you got to give props to that for Brent Venables being the top defensive mind in football right now. Well, and obviously under Bill Snyder as well as a player and a grad assistant, and then on that staff later. So, you know, arguably Bill Snyder did the best job of any coach in college football history because that Kansas State program was the worst Division I uh, football program for a while. And the job that Bill Snyder did to get them, you know, they were within a, you know, stopping Sir Parker in that uh, Big 12 championship game away from uh, playing for a national championship. And if you would have told me, Back in the day, yeah, Kansas State's going to end up playing for a national championship, you know, with Bill Snyder as coach. I'm like, yeah, right. I remember the uh, Kansas State teams that were pretty good in the 70s with Vince Gibson. In fact, my first ever Oklahoma game uh, that I went to with my dad, what a great memory that was. Uh, But it wasn't a great memory because OU lost at home to Kansas State in 1970. And you think about the next season they played – Nebraska in the game of the century, but that was my first OU game right there in the north end zone, 
and Kansas State beat Oklahoma. They had a quarterback by the name of Lynn Dickey who would go on to play in the NFL. They had a running back, Mac Heron, who is a really good player. And uh, that Vince Gibson K-State team beat Oklahoma. But for the most part, K-State was one of the biggest also-rans in college football. They became uh, they became like a sneaky team in like sometimes yeah. a, a trap game for most Big Twelve teams. Well, and I think that that Kansas State game this year, you know, when you think about where it fits in the schedule, is uh, possibly a trap game again. I think it is a trap game for Oklahoma. The good news is the Sooners have K State at home, but in terms of where that game falls on the schedule this year, after you go to Lincoln, you know. Uh, that will be interesting. And in K-State, you know, Chris Kleiman does a nice job. Let's see how Adrian Martinez works in uh, into the uh, equation at, at quarterback this year for K-State. I think he's a good fit for Kansas State and what they do. Uh, and then you've got Deuce Vaughn, and you know they're going to be well coached, and they've had success in Norman in the past, some games where you remember the Tim Duncan missed field goal and you missed that one. And, uh, you know, the uh, a few years back when K-State trailed by Oklahoma twice by 21 points in that game in Norman and came back to win. So, yeah, that will be an interesting game. All right, we'll get to more text here in a little bit. Let's get a break in right here on this Friday edition of Steelman and Thune at Noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Parker en route, and I think he's there. Got a wedding to attend this weekend. Oh, smoke on the water. I wonder who the stupid with the flare gun was. If they ever caught the stupid with a flare gun who burned the place to the ground and created smoke on the water. I don't know. Maybe he's out there somewhere. All right, we'll break. When we get back, Joe Bettner, publisher of Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football Newsletter, talking about the start of OU practice and what else? Oklahoma football coming up next. Uh, The greatest trio in rock and roll history right there. Yeah, you could say Cream's pretty good, but... They're not Rush. Oh, yeah. What a great band. All right. And uh, if you're looking for great Sooner information, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football Newsletter. And uh, Joe Bettner is the publisher. Been covering the Sooners for a while now. He's joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline right now. And, uh, Joe, practice underway today. What is – give me a couple storylines you're looking at as the Sooners begin fall camp. Well, I don't know if they're the uh, the sexiest of storylines, but I mean, this is a big fall camp in terms of obviously getting, uh, you know, basically half a team that wasn't here, you know, last year that now comes in. And I think the big question just as far as, you know, they feel like they've found the pieces that you're going to, you know, you don't bring in transfers typically to be backups, but I mean, the, the, one of the bigger things is just how is this offense going to look and specifically can that offensive line, you know, take another step forward you know, how quickly can the defense get on to the level that Brent Venables wants them? I don't think year one you should be expecting an elite defense, but, you know, when you saw a guy like Jamar Kane come in a few years ago and just how much his development as far as, like, technique and teaching technique, how much can Brent Venables kind of do the same thing there with linebackers who had a pretty abysmal 2021 season? But, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of question marks with this team. It, it feels like one of the more unpredictable teams of Oklahoma's, you know, just over the last 20 years, but still at the same time, you sit here, you know, first day of camp, and this is a team that looks like it still should make it back to the big whole title game. So a lot of question marks, but uh, I think hopefully um, things that will be answered pretty quickly early in the season. 
All right. Um, what do you think covering the team, uh, when Brent got this job, everybody had expectations. You saw the passion and the energy. You know, we knew he had that, but the moment he stepped off that plane at Max Westheimer uh, and that throng of Sooner fans greeted him and the band and everybody was there, it was like a coronation. But uh, I want to know what do you think uh, the biggest change has been in uh, just just the culture of the previous regime and now this new coaching staff with with Brent Venables. What stands out to you the most? I think the the biggest thing for me is just the overall kind of buy in and just kind of the chemistry among the team. I think you know seeing just as fresh of mind they had their elite weigh in. Uh, a boxing kind of main event style way in yesterday kind of post, you know, summer workouts kind of deal. And the thing that just like really struck me, was like, I don't know the last time that I've seen like OU's players kind of come together. Like they did, like they, you know, they kind of crowd surfed J- Jerry Schmidt there for a second or put him up on the, their shoulders. Just, just kind of seeing the, the chemistry and kind of the bonding thing. I think that's been a little bit lost over the last few years. I don't want to say that all of like Lincoln Riley's teams, you know, were disconnected or anything like that. I think it's mostly last year's group that just did not look like they enjoyed this year's team. It just feels like a complete 180. I think it's a testament just to the culture that Brent Minimals is trying to instill. All right, eyes on Oklahoma.com. Uh, Joe Bettner, publisher of the uh, newsletter, and uh, you can check it out online. I'm looking at your uh, homepage right now, and one of the, the articles up there is, Was Marvin Mims not used enough in 2021? <laughs> I think most people would say, Yes, there was something uh, happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear, like the uh, Buffalo Springfield song. So, what do you think happened with Marvin Mims, and what do you expect for Marvin uh, this fall? I think that this fall, that's probably the easier question to answer just in terms of how Jeff Levy runs his offense. There's going to be so many more opportunities for Marvin Mims as well as the other receivers just purely based on pace of play. They are going to play fast and they are going to create more opportunities for themselves. And I think you're going to see less and less of Oklahoma try to grind out games kind of like they did last season. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be different, and you know, not to say that Oklahoma was Kansas State last year or anything like that. They had explosive plays, but I mean, this is an offense that just was limited by its own, you know, by its own incapabilities, its own inconsistencies. I think the big thing for Martin Mims that just really you know never got going for him was the just kind of this weird falling off, and the you know you'd see him get a big catch the first half, and then just would disappear out of the game plan. And I think that the, the the quarterback kind of turmoil there probably played a part in that. And you know, you, you had Jaden Hazelwood and you had Mario Williams and you had Mike Woods, and those are all really good receivers. They're all gone now, and you ex- would expect Marvin usage to go up. But at the same time, you're you're still talking about one of the best deep ball threats in college football. So it just never made sense why those targets weren't up for a guy like him to only have 32 receptions. Last season is just, it's insane to think about just how talented he is. And, you know, I, I think just based off of Jeff Lovey's offenses, this is a guy that could get into the 60, 70 catches range. And I think that that right there is going to put him in contention for, you know, Bolitnikoff award possibly at the end of the year, especially if OU has a really good off year offensively. But I would expect a big kind of breakout year in terms of Marvin Mims maybe becoming more of a national name and obviously one of the better receivers in the Big 12. Joe, how worried should should uh, Oklahoma fans be about that trip to Lincoln for Game Three? 
Uh, I mean, a reasonable amount of worry. I think you, anytime you kind of go into on the road, especially a program like Nebraska, no matter how down a team like that is, it's just kind of going back to you, you over the years. There, there have been plenty of programs that you just went out on the road against, and maybe they're not necessarily at their you know full form. You know, thinking back like Tennessee and you know 2015, I 2011 Florida State. I, I, I don't think that team was a national title contender or anything like that. But, you know, you go on the road, big-time team. I think this is a group that obviously is probably frustrated after losing so many one, well, you know, close games last year. But I just I, I think that Casey Thompson doesn't exactly present, you know, a huge, huge problem. But, it, it, once again, it kind of comes down to how quickly does everything come together with the defense, but also what does Dylan Gabriel do in probably the biggest game of his career to that point? So it's, uh, I think there's a lot of intrigue. I think the, the honestly, most of the worry just comes from what we don't know, but I think that that worry probably gets lessened just kind of based of how this team goes out against UTEP, how they look against Kent state. And if that team looks polished and, you know, fundamentally sound, there's no reason they shouldn't go up to Lincoln and win by two touchdowns. But until we see that, you know, it's a always, always a reason for concern when you go on the road against a power five opponent. All right, before we let you go, Joe, Joe Bettner, our guest, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football Newsletter. Check it out, eyesonoklahoma.com. Uh, I know you've had Patty Gasso on your podcast, and you obviously cover the other sports as well, and Sooner softball is, uh, is the uh, – second-ranked sports at uh, Oklahoma in terms of fan interest right now, and uh, that that's a credit to what Patty Gasso has done. So, you know, you you lose Jocelyn Allo and some players who have been a big part of that program, and maybe some people around the country think, oh, man, maybe we get a little bit of a break with Oklahoma next year. Maybe they're not going to be quite as tough. And then you add uh, Alex Storacco, one of the best pitchers in the country from Michigan, coming in as a transfer, uh, Haley Lee, the catcher, power hitter from Texas A&M. You had uh, Sidney Sanders and Alana Torres from Arizona State. And on top of that, you get the number one high school pitcher in the country in your recruiting class in Kirsten Deal. And uh, I, I'm sure some of these coaches have to be thinking, man, what do we have to do? They might be even better uh, this next season. There's probably a few coaches that are probably thinking, like, maybe this transfer portal thing wasn't the best idea because – You've got Patty Gasso going out there and getting who she wants, and she's going to, at this point, it feels like wherever she sees a weak spot, you saw the graduating, obviously, Taylor Snow, Janet Johns. Uh, you lose a pitcher and Hope Trotline, and Patty Gasso went to the portal, got the best of the best. Probably, I mean, just I, I haven't, you know, I don't know who was in the portal, but those are, those are 1A type options when you look across the board and players that should be starting next season, if not competing for playing time. And that's kind of the hard thing about OU softball is that you've got plenty, plenty of players. They have an All-American who could barely crack the lineup, who was an All-American as a freshman in Grace Green, who uh, wasn't, hasn't been a starter the past two years. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's kind of silly just how quickly and how much Patty Gasso can kind of reload her team. And it doesn't seem like there will be much fall off just based on, you know, what we've heard about, how are up is Kirsten Deal, the, the number one pitcher in the country. I mean, the the way that she is just – I'm not a big-time softball scout, but talking to people that know the sport, I mean, they think super highly of her and could possibly make an immediate impact. And, you, you know, softball's not really a sport where you have a weekend rotation, but, you know, if you've got Jordy Ball, Alex Sirocco, and Kirsten Deal 
and obviously Nicole May still on campus. I mean, you got plenty, plenty of options. And I mean, I think Sooner fans should feel just as good going into the next year. And that feels crazy to say when you lose Jocelyn Allo, but I think fans should probably still feel like a national title is the expectation. And you know, I would, if you're asking me right now, I would pick OU to win it. It's going to be, you know, uh, you know, off season, but uh, I, I think that this team is in great position to, you know, go back or I guess back to back to back. No doubt, certainly looks that way. Joe, good stuff. We will talk to you again soon. Check it out, people. EyesOnOklahoma.com. dot com. Go subscribe, and Joe, we will talk to you again uh, here soon. Look forward to it, man. Thank you, Joe Bettner, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, break time right here on a Friday. Mike Steely along with Connor Pasby. Uh, Parker is attending a wedding this weekend. He's part of the wedding party, so he's traveling. He's got big responsibilities. I don't know if he's the best man, but I'm sure he's one of the uh, part of the, the groom's party or whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything about weddings. Really, I guess I do. All right. Uh, I have no idea what I'm talking about now. No idea whatsoever. All right. 405-651-3439. Let's keep that text line going. What gives you confidence that Brent Venables is going to take OU football to the next level? We'll talk about that. Read some of your texts when we get back here on The Ref. Okay, back with you on a Friday on the home of Sooner fans. Steel Man and Thune without Thune. Parker is uh, in a wedding this weekend, so uh, traveling on a trip. Be back with us uh, next week. Hope you're having a good Friday so far. We had a Sooner basketball game last night, exhibition over in Spain. The Sooners are over in Europe, and they beat Matero Select 97-41. to Joe Bamisil. The uh, transfer from uh, GW, George Washington, had 22 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 2 of 3 from uh, three-point range. Grant Sherfield, uh, the kid from Nevada, and uh, was also at Wichita State at one time, 14 points and 6 assists. Milo Zizan, the uh, freshman from Las Vegas, had a really good game, 6 of 8 from the floor, 12 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Not bad for a true freshman. Let's hear from Porter Moser on the Sooners' performance. You know, it was great to just to see for eight weeks we've been going against each other. It was great to see it uh, against some different competition. Um, I thought we did some really good things. And, uh, you know, I thought we, we, we tried to defend really hard. And um, I think for three quarters in, in a very odd gym, I thought the guys defended. I thought we moved it well. Um, and uh, I think every guy made some good plays. You know, we, we've constantly, you get in your coaching mode and you're sitting here thinking about all the things we need to improve on. Um, but when, when you sit down and you think about a lot of the good things, every guy brought something today. They had a good play, um, did some good things. There you go. Porter Moser and the Sooners beat again Matero Select in Spain in Barcelona last night, 97-41, first game on their European uh, summer road trip. All right, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405 651 3439. That's 405-651-3439. What do we have, Connor? From the 405, LR was hiding so much from everyone, and after OU hired BV, I felt like I got my team back instead of being a fan of LR's team. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, they're much more open, the staff, and uh, Muleshoe is a lot more guarded and protective, and uh, you might even say a certain, uh, maybe a little bit paranoid, 
And uh, maybe, you know, if, if that's your approach, you can be a little more sneaky behind the scenes, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the openness of this staff. And, again, that will probably change a little bit during, you know, the real season now. I'm not saying there aren't going to be media opportunities. There certainly will be. But it will be interesting to see uh, what it looks like, you know, with the season going on. So, I know yeah, that, I, I know we that. haven't played a game yet, but it also seems like they're, everyone's more bought in with Venables than what we saw with Mulshu's team in the past. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's all great right now. Everything's coming up roses. Uh, the first recruiting class they saved. Uh, this recruiting class looks great. Everybody's optimistic. Everybody's fired up. You know, uh, donations were in uh, for OU. Uh, record-setting donations this past year. Brent Venables, a huge part of that, no doubt. But, you know, you go to Lincoln, you struggle, and you lose that game. You know, it's it's still all about winning football games. But I feel pretty confident that Oklahoma's going to win their fair share. They're going to win a bunch with this staff. We can we can hit one more, Mike. Uh, from the 918, he was able to hire proven elite recruiters and developers. Most new head coaches don't have that ability. Shows he has earned respect and trust from some of the best assistants in the country. And, yeah, Mike, uh, Venables has done just that in hiring elite assistant coaches. And Todd Bates, what he did at Clemson, where he was able to develop guys. I mean, four, he had four-star, five-star guys come to Clemson. And that's what Oklahoma wants. We're tired of seeing all the guys on the offensive side of the ball. We want to see some four-star, five-star guys you can put on the defense. No doubt, and uh, that to me was one of the uh, the coolest things to see again because you're you're excited enough when you get Brent Venables. Oklahoma fans were overjoyed, uh, you know, once he stepped off that plane on a Sunday night, and uh, they they were waiting and waiting and waiting for the official announcement. They got it. You still remember the video in the plane, you know, <laughs> which was classic. Um, but then you get Jeff Lebby, and Oklahoma fans wanted Jeff Lebby, and like I said, wait a minute. Todd, Todd Bates is coming too. That's one of the best assistants in the country. You couldn't you couldn't draw it up better, Todd Bates and Jeff Levy to come to Oklahoma. I mean, Jeff Levy yeah. is one of the smartest offensive minds right now. What he's done at Ole Miss, I mean, just high tempo offense. So that <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a lot about Todd Bates, but Jeff Levy's pretty exciting too. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see this. Uh, offense in action, they're going to go at a very fast pace. There's no doubt about that. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have a really good year. I'm intrigued to see what, you know, the running back situation looks like. Eric Gray is going to be the first guy, I think, you know, to get the opportunity. And uh, Javante Barnes and uh, Sawchuck are really highly rated. You've got Marcus Major coming back. you got Walker, who played well, you know, for uh, in a few snaps, obviously, in the spring game. Uh, can't wait to see how it all plays out this fall. It's going to be fun. By the way, Riverwind Casino, you know, Riverwind, they, they do a lot for Sooner Athletics, and uh, they also, I've told you about this great promotion they have, the Battle of the Big Reds, where you can go out and uh, now and through uh, August 14th, if you are one of the top five point accumulators on your wild card playing games, you're going to win a trip to the OU Nebraska game. Well, how about this? Now they have another promotion that is underway now, and this one runs through August 26th. It's the Race to the Red River. If you are one of the top three point producers on your wild card on all the electronic gaming machines, uh, you know, they're going to tally up all the points August 26th, and they're giving away three 
three packages for you to go to the OU Texas game. So not only do you have a chance to go to the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino, but you also have a chance. Again, if you don't have OU Texas tickets, we're talking about two tickets to the game, hotel stay, uh, you know, transportation, all of that. Uh, this uh, total package is nearly $3,000. They are going to give away three packages for you to go see the Oklahoma-Texas game as well. So Battle of the Big Reds, being the top five point producers uh, when they tally up all the points August 14th for that game. And then uh, the race to the Red River, be one of the top three point producers by August 26th, and uh, you will win one of three trips they're giving away to Oklahoma, Texas. Heck of a deal. Always great creative promotions. I love them at Riverwind Casino because they keep them rolling out, man. With uh, You've got great chances to win. And, again, you have a great chance to go to Lincoln or Dallas for OU Texas. Take a break right here. Thank you, Last Year Home Comfort Systems. Hour number two is on the way next. It's Friday. Let's party. Well, actually, I can't party anymore. I'm too old. But uh, you can. Hope you're uh, ready for another hour here. Steel Man and Thune on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Parker, again, uh, headed to a wedding where he's going to be this weekend. He'll be back with us next week. Connor Pasby there at Mission Control. Is it just you there? Are you flying loner right now? So I have Drake in here also with me and Tyler. Man, oh, we yeah, have Drake. a lot of – yeah, we're kind of short crewed this whole – so we've got a lot of guys gone. Well, and uh, that's because everybody's uh, either on a remote or, like, doing it from their, their home studio and taking equipment to do their shows from home because we are renovating the ref studios right now. And the control room is separate uh, from the uh, the actual talk studio. And uh, Connor is on the board right now. But uh, when I came in this morning, I came in early and jumped in a production room because I knew I wanted some new sound for today. Uh, so I put some sound together, and then I left. But when I left, like, TJ was there. Drake had just arrived. Uh, Tyler, of course, Tyler would be there. Tyler's always working. and uh, But they had the door propped open because they – I guess it's the glue gun, and they're gluing. I think it's the glue a gun. A lot of the, uh, yeah, the soundproof what... – uh, yeah, the soundproof – they're soundproofing the studio, so they're gluing that stuff up. And, uh, man, I, the last time I felt like that is when I was like a kid putting a model airplane together or something. You know, that tester's glue. You're like, holy cow. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, that's, what's going on here? That's pretty similar, man. Yeah, that taste, I mean, that smell was pretty rough. But, man, it's, it's getting a lot better now. we got the doors propped open, so that helps. All right. So, uh, again, we have our regular Friday conversation with Brandon Drum coming up. The Sooners killing it on the recruiting trail. They are expected to get uh, Jacoby Johnson again a week from tomorrow. Uh, August 13th is his commitment ceremony, and uh, it's it's expected to be Oklahoma. It would be shocking if it was uh, not Oklahoma. So, And then uh, Makari Vickers and Anthony Evans will be soon thereafter. And a uh, good chance on Jordan Renaud, DJ Hicks, Apparently is a strong lean to Oklahoma right now, so recruiting is going very well for the Sooners. We will talk to Brandon Drum about that, uh, what he's maybe hearing on the Malachi Nelson situation. Is there real serious interest there? 
to Texas A&M and leaving USC. I, I still think he's going to stay with uh, with Muleshoe out there. But it would, it would be hilarious if he got Oh, it'd be the best. Are you kidding? We'd have – I will bring in some – I can't afford the, the really uh, expensive champagne, but I'll bring in, uh, you know, some champagne and we can pop the bottle together. Never in my life happens. would I celebrate someone going to Texas A&M. But hey, this... I know that's that's the uh, that is how much people despise Mule Shoe right now. <laughs> you know what? Great. Well, we'll take on Malachi Nelson if he goes to AM. No problem. We just want him to leave Mule Shoe. That's that's the main sentiment there, I think, from a lot of fans. I, I just don't think it's going to happen, but uh, you never know in the world of recruiting. All right, we know this. OU fans. Very fired up to have Jerry Schmidt back as the strength and conditioning coach. How about the video Jerry Schmidt sent out? Again, uh, congratulating just about everybody on a really good summer. And if you survive a Schmitty summer, you uh, you deserve accolades. And this was Jerry Schmidt sending out the video uh, last night. Hey, we just got through with uh, elite weigh-ins, and uh, I just want to congratulate uh, all the players, thank them for their, their hard work this summer. Uh, unbelievable, the, their commitment and and uh, willing to, to go over the top with their training. And uh, I want to thank all the coaching staff for the support. I want to thank my staff as well. I wouldn't be able to do it without those guys, but with our players, they're special. Just got great leadership across the board starting last January, and uh, we've just been building ever since. And uh, uh, wish the best of luck to our players as they go through camp. Thank you. Apparently, it's more than a feeling there at the University of Oklahoma, strength and conditioning. And uh, you saw the video again that was sent out uh, where the players were trying to lift up Jerry Schmidt. They were barely able to do it. But I love that. I remember there was one Oklahoma fan said, man, the great thing about Schmidt coming back is these guys are going to get tougher. The bad thing is I don't know if these kids can take Jerry Schmidt. Some of the yeah, kids on the, the Oklahoma football roster, you know. But I guess they got through, and that's, uh, again, I I would be shocked if Oklahoma is not a much more physical football team this fall. Mike, the dude, the dude just sounds intimidating just listening to the video. I think that's the first time I've ever heard uh, Jerry Schmidt talk. So, yeah, it's good for the players surviving all the camp and Jerry Schmidt congratulating them for the work they've done through the offseason. And, yeah. It looks like they'll be a lot tougher and physical for the 2022 season. You know, we we all have people in life who uh, who challenge us. Uh, if you're if you're trying, whether it's your career, your job, you're a student, or whatever, uh, you know, people who challenge us to be better, and that's what Jerry Schmidt is all about. And while you're going through that. You know, the trials and tribulations, or the workouts in this case, with Schmitty, you're probably not liking him too much. But if you come through it and you respect that guy, which just about every former former Sooner does, man, I you know, I didn't know if I could make it through Schmitty's workouts. But I did. I feel I can get through anything now. Thank you for what you've done. That's the mark of an excellent strength and conditioning coach or, a you know, professor or assistant coach, whatever. But. To a man, almost all of those guys who uh, went through those workouts with Jerry Schmidt during his first stint at OU all thought, man, golly, I, you know, uh, the, the guy, was, it was rough, man. It was really rough. But they all said, I'm so glad I went through it. Uh, you know, you heard Teddy and 
guys like Gabe, other people talk about that, uh, how much they respect Jerry Schmidt. And we talked about this yesterday. There were a lot of players who went on to the NFL and said, man, I, you know, I thought these NFL workouts were going to be pretty tough. They're nothing compared to Schmidt's workout. So uh, anyway, that, that notion that, man, I don't know if these kids can make it through with Jerry Schmidt. Bob Stoops talked about that on The Rush a while back, and I want to play this sound clip again because I think it's so good. Uh, you know, he said, obviously, he's very fired up. He was very fired up with Schmitty coming back. He brought him in when Bob took the job at Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, Schmitty went to A&M when Muleshoe brought in uh, Mr. Kettlebells, Benny Wiley. Uh, but now Schmitty is back and fired up to be working for Brent. Uh, Bob Stoops, a believer in Jerry Schmidt. Here's what he said a couple months ago. Well, let me tell you, when Smitty walked in in 99, as well as the rest of my staff, I had to give my staff and Smitty a pep talk <laughs> after the first couple workouts. I didn't want my staff running out on me. I said, now listen, guys, we've only been here, you know, a few weeks, first couple workouts. These guys got no idea what it takes to win and, and the level of work it takes and, the, you know, and all of it. But that's not the case today. These guys have worked hard. And, uh, you know, we're an 11-2 and two team, 10 in the country. These, these guys know how to work. These guys will handle Smitty just fine. I'm, I'm all for Smitty trained. You know that. Oh, yeah. I'm all on board with it and believe in it. And it worked incredibly well for us. And I think it will again. There you go. Bob Stoops on the rush with uh... – Tyler and Teddy not too long ago uh, talking about his confidence level in Jerry Schmidt. All right, uh, we are going to get to the text line here in the next segment. I uh, want to thank our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley uh, for sponsoring our second hour. Again, if you're looking for a car, truck, or an SUV and a great guarantee on that vehicle, the Seth Wadley Auto Group, you got to be thinking about the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, the great guarantee of oil changes, and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you from our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. I got a uh, question coming over on uh, Twitter. Steelman, who are the biggest villains of the Live Golf Tour? Well, I mean, you've got to put Phil at the top of the list. He's the most well-known, the most famous, the most accomplished, even though you know, he is, he's not uh, ranked very highly now, uh, which is crazy because, you know, you think about where Phil Mickelson was when he won that PGA at Keough Island. Nobody thought that Phil Mickelson was going to win that golf tournament. And then he has this incredible run, wins that tournament, people go crazy. I mean, he, think about becoming a major champion again at that age. That, that's amazing, in his 50s. So that was, you know, I don't know if it was Phil's finest moment, but it's certainly up there. There's no doubt about it. And now to be where he is, vilified by a lot of people, the hardcore Phil fans are still there, but a lot of people are very disappointed uh, in Phil. So I would put him as public enemy number one in this Live Golf Tour situation. And then you, you've got to think of, like, the big names, of Dustin Johnson, uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. Ironically, the uh, you know, take a guess. I'm throwing this right at you, Connor, and I, I don't know if you're a huge golf guy or not, but who do you think the second highest rated player is that joined the Live Golf Tour? 
Oh gosh, Mike. Man, I really haven't been following who's all going to the live tour, but or to live golf, but uh Oh gosh. <laughs> Mike, I really haven't been following golf the last I don't I don't expect you to answer this. I I just showing you because I don't think most people would know. And I was looking at this the other day, unless I'm mistaken, I believe that player is Abraham Answer from the University of Oklahoma. I if, I if did I did right, hear I, yes, I did hear about Answer going to the live tour. So man, yeah, Mike, there's so many guys who are kind of been the face of the PGA just taking that next step to the money. Hey, wait until we see the FedEx Cup play out. I think you're going to see Cameron Smith going to live. I, I think, uh, you know, there are rumors about other players out there, Victor Hovland again and uh, Matsuyama uh, and other players. But Abraham Answer, I don't think, is a villain because Abraham Answer is, is not really, you know, um, one of those guys that everybody's looking to watch. We do here because he's an OU grad. And he's had a great career in the PGA Tour, and he's like 22nd in the world. I think DJ, I think he's right ahead of Brooks Kepka at 23, and DJ was like 18 or 19 this week. So, interesting note there. But you got to go with Phil, you got to go with Dustin Johnson, Brooks, Bryson DeChambeau. And then, I don't know, to me, one of the guys is uh, Pat Perez. Because Pat Perez, if you saw that video where they were coming back on the plane and he's partying and high-fiving everybody, dude, you're out there shooting 80 every weekend and pocketing almost a million dollars for every appearance. You it, know? Kind of, it kind of feels like you have no pressure on the golf course, Mike. Like, it doesn't really matter what you shoot at the Live Tour. Well, what's going to be interesting is what Augusta's going to do. And we saw, you know, that the PGA Tour had suspended Phil back in March. Uh, and that Augusta is, uh, you know, urging players not to join the Live Golf Tour. Augusta National is a private club. Uh, the Masters is an invitational tournament. Those guys don't have to invite you. You know, I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with, like, DJ, obviously, is a, a former champion. Uh, you know, former champions have been able to play forever and ever and ever. Uh, Doug Ford was out there at like 90 years old, it seemed like. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And the next thing to watch is what happens after the uh, FedEx Cup is decided uh, as to who is going to go and play on the Live Golf Tour. All right, appreciate that question. Let's break right here. When we get back, time to head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, we'll get to as many as we can when we get back. We have Brandon Drum on the way on the Riverwind Casino hotline at 135. Keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Friday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref radio network. And uh, we are 29 days away now from the Sooners starting the season against UTEP down in Norman on September 3rd. So there we go. There we go, everybody. 29 days. All right. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. You want to get there now, Connor? Let's do it. Uh, would you rather <laughs> – this is interesting. Mike, would you rather Would you rather OU win in the Big 12 and lose first round in the college football playoff or OU loses two games and beats USC in a respectable bowl game? Hmm. 
Okay. Uh, I, I would still rather go to the playoff because nationally, I don't think people care that much about the OUSE situation. You know, OU fans do, but uh, I would still go rather go to the playoff. Uh, I, I think that's the rational way to look at it. Now, I'm completely irrational about Muleshoe. I get that. Would I enjoy going to play SC and beating SC by, like, three touchdowns? Absolutely. But I think it, it would be better, again, for recruiting and just your reputation. Unless you go to the playoff and you get blown out, you know, like Oklahoma LSU and the Peach Bowl or whatever. But uh, what do you think, Connor? What do you think is the better scenario? I mean, I want to say lose two games, but obviously you want to get to the college football playoff. You kind of just got to throw that hate aside because you want to see OU get to the playoff, and which it would be funny, Mike, to see USC have a bad year. So, oh, yeah, I would I, say. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I would say. I'm going to run out on the field for Rice in the opener. That's my. That's what I want to do. Oh, but. yeah, I'm big, big Rice Al fan, and I'll be a Stanford Cardinal. Week two, too. But, yeah, the goal is Fresno State could be tough, too. It might be a, might be an interesting game. Uh, look, Muleshoe is going to win games out at USC. The question is, can they break through and uh, be a legitimate national championship contender? Or are they going to be a flashy, sexy team this year offensively and, again, be uh, a finesse team like many of Lincoln Riley's teams have been accused of? And I think that, that uh, title fits pretty well. Uh, we'll see. And uh, plus, then that transition to the Big Ten, that's going to be really interesting. You know what's interesting is Oklahoma has a bad history with USC. I they mean, do. I know. Yeah. And 55-19 uh, to 19 was, was the worst. Uh, and uh, for Oklahoma, I can remember the 71 victory in Norman over USC and the uh, tie out of the Coliseum that featured the uh, Joe Washington punt return that lasted about a minute before they finally tackled him. And I think it netted maybe like two yards. But uh, OU's history with Southern Cal is not very good. Some bad history, but we like to keep that in the past, Mike. That's but, uh, true. <laughs> from the 405, BV will be successful because he, has, he was part of three program builds, and he was instrumental in two of them. He knows what a championship program should look like. Yeah, as we talked about many times, Clemson won a national championship in the early 80s with Danny Ford as the head coach. That Clemson Tigers team beat Nebraska, won a national championship. But, you know, that was all the way back in, what, like 81, I believe. And, you know, beyond that, Clemson, the reputation was Clemson became an adjective. They It was Clemsoning where you underachieved and you couldn't win the biggest games and uh, you, you weren't quite where you probably should have been as a program. That changed with Dabo. Brent was a huge part of that. And Bill Snyder, like I said, the architect of the greatest turnaround in college football history. And like I said, for Bob Stoops, OU football had never been lower than, uh, you know, and people, you, you might talk about reputation-wise when Charles Thompson was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and all of that. But in terms of product on the field, it was never worse than the Howard Blake era. Like I said, I remember being down on the field when Glenn Mason, the Kansas coach, was leaving the field, and OU fans were screaming at him for running up the score. Yeah. Kansas. Yeah. My, I mean, Mike, you give credit to Dabo Sweeney for building up the Clemson program, but, man, they started getting really good when Brent Venables started there. I mean, we all remember 
bad memory, but we all remember the Russell Athletic Bowl where they stomped OU. That's oh, when yeah. that, that's when Clemson started getting really good, Mike. Yeah, and uh, the game in the Orange Bowl that the Sooners lost to Clemson, Deshaun Watson, the opposing quarterback in that game. But, uh, yeah, Dabo did a great job, and Brent was a huge part of that uh, that project uh, that turned into one of the best programs in the country at Clemson. It would be interesting to see how Clemson plays this year. They were still good defensively a year ago, but DJ didn't play up to the level they expected last year. You know, they lost uh, other guys on the offense, obviously Trevor Lawrence uh, before, uh, and then they had, uh, you know, because we saw DJ playing that Notre Dame game when, when uh, Trevor Lawrence was out and he played pretty well, and he was a five-star kid. But, they, you know, you lose Travis Etienne and guys like that. Uh, we'll see what happens with Clemson this year. All right, you want to get one more in? Yeah, from the 580, BV bringing Schmitty back is the best thing because all we know is, Kettlebells always come back to hit you in the arse. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, uh, you know, it was it's interesting because I didn't actually put two and two together when we were talking about, hey, Brent's the leading candidate. Uh, we think that Brent is going to get this job. Sooner fans want Brent Venables to get this job. They want him back. We think he's the number one target, and we're talking about other candidates out there, you know, uh, at the time, other names that were being thrown around. But uh, I, for some reason, at least I did, maybe somebody else in the air did, make the connection that, well, maybe Jerry Schmidt will come back if Brent comes back. And, uh, you know, when that announcement came out, that that was, again, uh, some more icing on a, a really good cake, you know, when you get – not only because we knew that Brent was going to be the guy, and then you knew that Jeff Levy was coming in as OC, and like I said, Todd Bates was a great surprise. Like, wow, all right, you know, look at this deal. And then Jerry Schmidt coming back. Uh, that that kind of put the Sooner fans over the moon when they heard that. So, too, so, so. you don't you don't have to worry about no yoga, CrossFit, and kettlebells going on in the OU weight room anymore. Well, and, uh, you know, you saw the uh, photo that Thad Turnipseed put out recently, too, and, uh, you know, the recovery center they have now. Uh, the Sooners, I, I think that Oklahoma was going to do this anyway uh, to a certain extent, but I think one of the things that happened that Brent Venables came aboard and said, you know what, I love this place. I'm excited to be the head coach. I love it, but we're going to have to do some things at a different level with if we're going to the SEC and uh, we want to swing a big stick in the SEC like we have been for years and years in the Big Eight and the Big Twelve, we're going to have to do some things facilities-wise, upgrades, don't, you know, more money coming in. Like I said, OU just announced a new record for donations, shattering the all-time record. Brent's a big part of that, and I think they've gone to some people said, "Man, we've got to upgrade. We've got to upgrade uh, in a lot of areas." Uh, even with our facilities, which Oklahoma's facilities certainly aren't bad by any means. But, man, like, like I've said, this is like an arms race in college football and has been for a long time. Once you build something, you better start on the blueprints for the next thing, too. It's, it's that competitive out there. All right, break time right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, for sponsoring hour number two here on Steel Man and Thune. When we get back our regular Friday conversation with OU insider Brandon Drum. He'll join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network.
Brandon Drum joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline on this Friday. Does a great job for 247 Sports and OUinsider.com. We always chat with him at this time on Fridays. And, Brandon, July was a spectacular month for uh, Sooner recruiting. And uh, a week from tomorrow, it looks like another uh, addition will uh, come into the class with Jacoby Johnson. But I want to talk about July. Is that easily the biggest recruiting month you've seen for Oklahoma since you've been re- covering recruiting? Uh, it, it, I think it, it goes right up there with, um, I believe, April of 2018, uh, heading into the 2019 class when Oklahoma got uh, the transfer from Notre Dame, uh, the D-line transfer from Notre Dame to commit to them. They got, I want to say, like, 11 commits during that spring ball or nine, something like that. And throughout the month, I think there was 11 or 12. So uh, that July, now here's the difference is I think only like five of those ended up actually in the class, 2019 class that went public uh, during that month. So, uh, you know, uh, DOEs, uh, if I remember correctly, um, uh, Trajan Bridges, like all those guys were like right there making their commitments that month. And it was a huge month for Oklahoma and they were ranked really high. But I think this time, you know, that three month gap, three, three month, three or four month gap between, you know, April, July, August is it makes a big difference in the recruiting world because it actually kind of slows things down and allows you know, right as the dead period hits and, you know, right before the season starts, uh, these kids are getting their, their commitments knocked down. And, you know, I, I think they're going to be more concrete than, um, you know, that previous class was in 2019 when they just went crazy during that spring game. Our guest, Brandon Drum, 247sportsouinsider.com. So uh, the party at the Palace again, um, you know, we saw Colton Vosick come out and commit to Oklahoma on Monday. Huge. You get a kid from Austin, Texas, who's a Longhorn legacy. His dad played at the University of Texas, and he's coming to the University of Oklahoma. And you already consider what they have at DN right now with Bosick and uh, P.J. Atabari. That's pretty impressive. But other names emerging that Oklahoma's close to getting. Some people think, well, it's kind of a silent commitment. Oklahoma's expected to get, again, Jacoby Johnson, August 13th, Makari Vickers, uh, Anthony Evans, the wide receiver from San Antonio. Uh, Ryan Yates is supposedly really, really heavily involved with Oklahoma right now. Jordan Renaud, the defensive lineman. Uh, but I want to talk about David D.J. Hicks because we're talking about a guy that's, you know, you, you think of great defensive lineman Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy. You've got to get guys like that also. And uh, from all indications, D.J. Hicks had a great visit and uh, what percentage chance right now do you think the Sooners have at landing DJ Hicks? Uh, you know, uh, I'll stick I'll stick away from the percentages, but I'll say this: if I had to put a crystal ball in right now, I'm putting it in for Oklahoma. Um, there's some buzz. You know, I talked to some people around uh, Katie Pitao, uh program and that are really involved with David Hicks's recruitment. 
And, you know, I reported this last, last I think it was late last weekend, and I kind of wrote about in the comments just because I didn't want to cause a stir, ended up roaring, and then it obviously it didn't matter. It still kind of caught everybody off guard and everybody wanted to talk about it, but it's the fact that, you know, there's some sincerity in them wanting to move up their commitment date potentially. Uh, if, you know, they decide to do so, it would be around the September-October uh, timeline, and I look – if that's the case, you've got to feel really good if you're Oklahoma right now and really scared if you're Texas A&M. Um, I know that, look, A&M's going to play the NIL game more than Oklahoma is. I mean, that's just – Venables just doesn't do it like that. Like, they have four or five NIL things at Oklahoma Collective deals, and these kids are going to be well off, you know, probably making six figures across the board uh, as the, throughout the team, but – like they're not throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at people through NIL collectives and stuff like that at Oklahoma. And, you know, they're going to be doing that for DJ Hicks, no matter who it is, whether it's A&M, Alabama, whatever. The deal with DJ Hicks in Oklahoma is the relationship with Todd Bates and Brent Venables and the fact that they're kind of playing, you know, similarly as Derek LeBlanc, where it's a long game. Like they have all this money being thrown at them, but they're looking at development and, you know, a few hundred thousand here or there, or a million here or there, like, as a kid, that's great. But if you can make 40, 50 million, you know, as a you know, NFL guy, you're, you're a lot. Obviously, your pension, if you stay in the NFL for three or four years, so things start to really work in your favor if you, if you play your cards right. And I think that's what the Hicks family's looking to do more so than the NIL right now. And that works in Oklahoma's favor. Yeah, no doubt, because it feels like, and that's what I was thinking on on DJ Hicks. It's not, you know, if this were, you know, three years ago, and it's Oklahoma versus A and M, or even you know before NIL came in, you'd feel really good about it. It almost feels like this is Oklahoma versus the pressure of NIL dollars more than anything else. And uh, yeah. what we're hearing again is that the family really likes OU, the kid really likes OU. They're doing it, uh, you know, they're making it uh, relationship-oriented with these guys. Uh, and, yes, as you said, Brandon, OU has some NIL money, but they're not going to, you know, throw Fort Knox at these kids like Texas or Texas A&M or, or maybe Miami or somebody else out there who's doing that. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so let's say that Oklahoma gets Vickers, as expected, Jacoby Johnson, which should happen August 13th, uh, Jordan Renaud, Dasuli Akana, uh, and then you have Macari Vickers again, and then maybe Peyton Bowen flips and comes to Oklahoma. I mean, we are talking about what could be a, you know, the overall class will be incredible, but we're talking about what could be a historic defensive class for OU if these, you know, dominoes fall for Oklahoma. Yeah, look, there, as a class as a whole, if everything happens the way you you know, your, your scenario throws out, you threw out, uh, and it falls, everything falls into place for Oklahoma. They're looking at across the board as far as the um, uh, 247 composite goes at literally around 303, 304 total, which if that's the case, you know, and who knows when Rivals updates their rankings in, um, in the middle of August, how that will play out. It will probably go up. It will probably be more you know, 307, 308. And if that does happen, look, you're looking at, you know, uh, before transfers happen, 
you know, 304, 305, 306, 308, you know, number in the range there as far as composite goes. And then on top of that, you get the transfers thrown in it. You could be looking at 350 as far as your rankings goes, and that would dwarf what A&M did and what's considered the greatest class of all time on 247 Sports. So, like, Venables is doing and his staff is doing a miraculous job on the recruiting trail. They're, they're, they're doing it organically through relationships and just the idea of coming in and being a part of the program that cares for you, that is going to look out for you. I mean, 22 former players are on staff. If that doesn't prove that to parents, I don't know what does. And I've talked to parents uh, plenty of times, and that's something they bring up to me. They're like, look, there's 22 people on the staff. That shows how much they care. So if my son, you know, something doesn't work out in the NFL or not, he has a fallback if he wants to coach and start a career with Coach Venables. And, you know, OU's got open arms with that. And I think as things continue to trend uh, that way, that's going to be something Oklahoma uses more and more on the recruiting trail, and it's going to work more often than not. All right, Brandon, before we let you go, real quick, uh, what are you hearing on the Malachi-Nelson deal? Any chance he flips from SC to A&M? Yeah, I, there's some sincere interest. Uh, you know, the relationship with Riley is deep. The relationship with Caleb Williams is deep. That kind of what steered him to Oklahoma to begin with. But, you know, again, in the world of NIL, uh, when you have A&M who's able to do things that USC cannot, which is totally why Riley went to uh, USC to begin with, because they were going to do NIL this, NIL that, and here it is, Oklahoma's doing 20 times more than what they're doing out there on the West Coast. And, you know, it, it just it's, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny at the same time. It's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, you played your cards wrong type deal, but Look, Malachi is going to piece up the process. I've even heard he may take a trip to UCLA. And I really think this is him trying to tip USC's hand. Like, look, you know, NIL this, NIL that. Give me kind of what I'm worth, you know, according to everybody else and all the pundits, or at least something to that extent. doesn't have to be totally what he's worth, but, you know, show that you care and all that. And I think things will kind of settle down at that point. But if they don't, this could get interesting. UCLA, Texas A&M, you know, Makai Lemon was down there at Miami checking that out. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And if one moves off, you can almost bet that the other one is too. And, and you know, you, what you find else interesting is how much negativity going in this when you have T.A. Cunningham who moved to from Georgia to Los Alamitos and is playing with Malachi and Makai and all those guys. And Oklahoma is considered one of his top schools. How is that playing in his mind and his recruiting? I think a lot of this is going to be really interesting, not just through 2023, but also through 24, how all this plays out. Brandon, good insight as always. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Brandon Drum, 247sportsounsider.com. All right, quick break right here. Where do some Sooners rank in ESPN's brand-new ranking of the 50 greatest true freshmen in college football history. We'll tell you when we get back right here on The Rep. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ESPN, if you uh, have ESPN uh, Plus, by the way, um, you know, you got to be a member to get this list, but they came out with a list of the 50 greatest true freshmen in college football history. How, how many, how many Sooners are on the list, Mike? 
Uh, I see one, two, th- one, two, three, four, and if, uh, I'm going to call it maybe four and a half. Really, really, it's four. So Adrian Peterson's definitely on the list. Number nine, number nine, number nine. He's number nine on the list. All right, who else? Did did Samaje Pirine make the list? Samaje Pirine. Samaje Pirine. Yes, he did. Twenty six for Samaje. The year where everyone thought it was Joe Mixon, and then Samaje Pirine surprised him. Man, I still remember that Morgantown game where he rushed for over two hundred yards. What he had thirty four carries. Three touchdowns, leaning on a true freshman like that is pretty, pretty special. Um, yep. Oh man, I mentioned this guy's name. In fact, I mentioned both of these guys' names earlier in the show. One's a defensive lineman, the oh, other one's got, a quarterback. You got Tommy Harris in there. Tommy Harris comes in number thirteen on the list. Jamel, Jamel Holloway. Jamel Holloway, number 20. So oh, you, I get, you just ace the test. Very I get, nice. I get why you say four and a half because I have a feeling Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is there. I think Jalen Hurts was number 11 so on the list. Count, but he was yeah. a fresh, Yeah, he was a freshman at Alabama. And by the way, the top 10, number one, Hugh Green uh, from Pittsburgh was number one on – the list of the greatest 50 true freshmen. Hugh Green from Pittsburgh back in the uh, late 70s. Herschel Walker at Georgia, number two. Orlando Pace from Ohio State. The offensive tackle was number three. Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback, number four. Ron Dane, Wisconsin, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, number five on the list. Andy Katzenmoyer. Ohio State linebacker from the mid-90s was number six on the list. Tony Dorsett from Pitt. He was actually Tony Dorsett back when he was at Pittsburgh. And I still remember the Scott Hill hit on Tony Dorsett. Then Tony Dorsett when Oklahoma blew out Pitt in Norman. And Dorsett has always said that was the toughest hit he's ever had. Uh, Tony Dorsett, number seven on the list. Luke Keekley, the Boston College linebacker, number eight. A.D. Adrian Peterson came in at number nine. Number 10 was Bill Fralick, the Pitt offensive lineman. Jalen Hurts was number 11, and again, he was a freshman at Alabama. So uh, ninth on the list, Adrian Peterson. 13th on the list, Tommy Harris. Number 20 on the list, Jamail Holloway. And number 26 on the list, Samaj P. Ryan. So there you go. That is the list of the uh, four Sooners who made the list of the top 50 true Freshman, greatest true freshman players in college football history. I feel like, right. man, I feel like Samaje Piran should be up there a little higher, in my opinion, Mike, for what for what for what he did in his freshman season. Yeah, and maybe Jamel Holloway should be a little bit that higher one, because yep. he led Oklahoma to a national championship. I mean, that was Troy Aikman's team. He went down. Jerome Brown broke his leg in that Miami game in Norman, and Jamel Holloway came in, led the Sooners to a national title. All right. By the way. Thinking about planning for a trip for the Sooners this year, uh, Cotton Bowl, Red River Rivalry is always a destination. So is Lincoln, Nebraska this year in week three. Riverwind Casino has promotions to get you to both of those games. I have told you about the Battle of the Big Reds. Now through August 14th, get out there and play. Use your Riverwind wild card. Rack up as many points as you can. Keep playing with that wild card because August 14th, They are going to tally up the points 
and five people are going to win a trip to the Oklahoma-Nebraska game in Lincoln. That's a heck of a deal. Not one, not two, not three, not four, five people. So get out there, play with your wild card, try and get into the top five, and you're going to win a trip to see the Sooners play the Huskers in Lincoln. Uh, Accommodations, travel, game tickets, everything. It's a $2,500 value. And then today they also unveil, they have a promotion continuing through August 26th now, Race to the Red River. So play with your wild card. Earn points on all the electronic gaming machines right now at Riverwind. And then on August 26th, they are going to pick out the top three point producers all the way through August 26th. And those three are going to win trips to go see the Red River Showdown down in Dallas. Game day tickets, hotel stay, ground transportation, valued at nearly $3,000. So get out to Riverwind Casino if you're thinking, man, I'd love to go to Lincoln, but I, I can't afford to do that. Well, you could go there, courtesy of this great Battle of the Big Reds promotion at Riverwind. Same with OU Texas. Now the race to the Red River promotion. That continues through August 26th. The Battle of the Big Reds continues until August 14th. Bottom line, get out to Riverwind and play. Get points on your wild card, and you'll have a chance to win one of those trips. That's a heck of a deal. No doubt. Okay, also thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, Exit 72, for a great, great deal on a car, truck, or an SUV, and the incredible service after the sale and the great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. Okay, um, next Saturday, a week from this Saturday, Sooners again beginning practice today, but uh, August 13th looks to be a big day for Oklahoma. Jacoby Johnson, the uh, wide receiver defensive back, who uh, Oklahoma's looking at at defensive back mainly, uh, will be committing to the University of Oklahoma. It's expected that he will be the next one in line, and then you got to wait on, you know, Makari Vickers and Anthony Evans and maybe Jordan Renaud. Uh, you know, it, it'll be later, I think, for D.J. Hicks, but who knows what's going to happen with Tasuli Akana. But things are still looking really good for Oklahoma, number six nationally in the 247 national rankings. All right, everybody have a great weekend. We've got Locked In coming up next. Great job, Connor. Take it easy. Have a great weekend.